Welcome back to our slash show WHP, Women's Health Promotion, your reliable health information source to promote your health and well-being. This is a program of a Women Health First, Georgia-based nonprofit organization. I'm Nahila Aeva, public health analyst and educator, founder of Women Health First. I'm joined today with Dr. Ramatu Mohammed, our Vice President of a Public Health Promotion. We are going to talk about the COVID-19 and the ways to prevent the spread of the infection. Dr. Mohammed? Oh, oh, the line. Dr. Mohammed? Okay. Yes, I think we've got we'll get it rolling now. So let's move to the next slide. Thank you for your patience. Yeah, so um, I would like to start with an overview of COVID-19. I know we've had some previous webinars where we did talk about it, but just for a recap, I would like to go over it again. So COVID-19 was identified in December of 2019, and it's caused by a virus. Um, a type of virus called the severe acute respiratory syndrome coronavirus too. That's why we call it SARS. So that's like the acronym. And it's a virus in humans that causes respiratory illness, which can spread from person to person through respiratory droplets. And this could be through when someone talks or sneezes or coughs near you um, within a certain distance. Um, the droplets are inhaled through the nose or the mouth and they get into the lungs and then cause an infection. People be can become infected either by touching hands or objects or surfaces that have already been um, infected with or, or that already has the virus on it. And then if you touch it and you touch your eyes, you touch your nose or you touch your mouth, you could um, kind of um, do like a local inoculation direct spread of the virus. Could I have the next slide? We're going to watch a brief video that shows the data of um, the incidence of COVID vaccine. where we got the resource is from the John Hopkins data in motion on COVID-19 and that's the website if you need to keep yourself updated with the information. So we will now just look a little bit even though that other um, video kind of give an overview of um, cases in the United States and also just because Women Health Fest is um, located in Georgia so we're going to 
kind of and our population of audience too. There's a lot of people from Georgia, so we're going to talk a little bit about Georgia. So um, the total cases in United States are over 40 million. Um, total deaths from COVID, uh, as you can see on the slide, I don't know. There's a lot of numbers there, but in Georgia, we've had more than a million cases of COVID-19, and that is alarming with about 22,373 deaths from, that's total number of deaths from COVID-19. Could we go to the, yes. And this kind of is a map that shows the flow of how the cases has been. So um, when it was first found, um, when it was first um, detected COVID-19, you could see that we were at zero. And then suddenly there's this, um spike where it goes up and then dips and goes up again but we had like the major cases raging more than 250,000 in november of 2020 and then it kind of waned towards february but again with the upcoming um outcome of the new variant we could see that we're starting to get a rise as at september 3rd of 2021 we've already gone to more than 150,000 cases daily so this is a day map of daily cases of the incidence of um, coronavirus infections. Can we have the next slide? So I would like to talk a little bit about the symptoms, even though, yes, we've talked about this before, but um, one could have fever or chills, cough, shortness of breath. And then there are some people that would have actually no symptoms. And then the new variant of the Delta variant of the COVID-19 virus, has a lot of um, GI associated symptoms like nausea, vomiting, and diarrhea. Next slide, please. Um, treatment, there are currently no specific treatment that has been licensed for COVID. However, there are a lot of um, treatments that are under investigation. Um, there are antiviral drugs like Vecluri for adults and then certain pediatric patients too with COVID-19 who are sick enough for hospitalization could use this antivirus. Um, currently, the main care for people that have COVID-19 is supportive. So you treat um, what symptoms they're having and if possible, unless they are severe, they, could be, they should stay at home and manage their symptoms even though they should report that they are infected. Um, one of the things we're afraid of or we do not want to happen is organ failure. So that is one of the things why we need to be supportive and watch um, and manage the symptoms as they occur. Um, there's a need to call 911 for emergency cases when somebody has issues breathing or they have persistent pain or pressure in the chest or inability to wake or stay awake. And also um, when the lips turn bluish, that means there is low oxygenation in the system. Next slide. Now I would like to hand over the presentation to my co-presenter, Sister Nahila Aiva, our public health analyst and educator and CEO of Women Health First. Thank you so very much, Dr. Mohammed, for this beautiful so far presentation, giving us important information. Yeah, prevention, prevention, prevention. That's a key element for this old presentation. Well, uh, prevention is uh, what we need to do, you know, as a public health uh, 
prevention is the key for everything that we do. Yeah. And the basic things such as hand washings, you know, is a very crucial. And we know that, right? And during this pandemic, they also advise us to wear a facial mask, you know, and then also have a, at least six feet, you know, um, social distancing, right? And um, now touching your faces, your mouth, and all those kind of stuff, we already know that. Because when somebody asks you, what is public health? It's about everything that we know, but we wait for somebody to tell us, and we still don't do, right? So <laughs> that's what it is, because this is the basic things that we do, but we take them as granted. That's what is the prevention. But again, when the prevention did not work or fail, I'm not going to say fail, but if there is no way of you know, containing the prevention as a first line of prevention, it moved to second line of prevention where at this point, a lot of things need to be done, which is including vaccination. You know, at this point, CDC recommending all of individuals 12 years or older to really consider vaccinating. Wow. Of course, we are hesitant and we understand that, you know, but uh, why is very important to have the vaccine? We will talk about that. But at the same time, uh, we, it's very interesting to, for us to remind myself and all of our audience that it's very normal to be hesitant about taking the vaccine, nothing wrong with that. And this is a simple because there's a, sometimes a lack of confidence and effect of a low level of a trust in a vaccine themselves and the delivery system, because the delivery system, which is a, Healthcare delivery system itself can be corrupted sometime. And also um, the authorities, you know, influential authority member. This may uh, including also doubt about uh, vaccine efficacy and uh, you know motivation for, for people to take those uh, those vaccines. Now our goal here is not to um, tell everybody to convince you to take the vaccine or not to take the vaccine. Here, we are here to really just convey you some information, the basic information for mm -hmm. you to make informed health decision. So it's up to you now, after getting those information to decide for yourself and see if those vaccine is right for you at this time or not. Now, so, well, on this slide, it say why vaccine is very important. Well, we will say that image, Vaccine is important at this time because of what we've seen. You know, we see as Dr. Mohammed uh, um, present earlier, we see the incidence of prevalence of the cases rising because of this uh, new Delta variant. Delta variant is a new fashion name. It doesn't mean nothing. It just means that the virus has mutated and have taken second form. So, well, they don't want to call the first one alpha variant because they did not anticipate that something else will come out. So it's just first alpha and the second one, delta variant. That's what it is. So by what we're seeing those things has been increasing, there is a need for you to think about all that's going around. We see a lot of death. We see a lot of, uh, you know, uh, sick people, the prevalence of a mobility and then uh, fatality rate is a very high, it's pretty high for her to, to think about those things. So um, 
from the June also this year, from uh, June, mid-June to August, uh, there was 10 times increase in the rate of hospitalization among the children. We're talking about ages zero to four due to this rising of Delta variant. So this is eye, you know, this can really raise eyebrow. You know. Among all those things that we've seen that, you know, making so um, uh, scaring for our situation, we also realized that uh, um, recently the Food and Drug Administration has a full approved the, the, the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine, you know, to preventing uh, COVID-19 uh, in the case of uh, children or young adults from age 16 and older. You know, this is a calling at least for the achievement, a great achievement for public health in general. So for that, it's a lot of work. What that means, somebody will say, but well, the, the vaccine was not approved before. We indeed, yes, it was approved based on a clinical study, intense clinical study. Um, and then at, the end, at that time, Food and Drug Administration has uh, allowed immediate emergency utilization of the vaccine, you know, also called EUA. So at this point now, the vaccine has reached the effic efficacy that has been exponential, that has grown the, the Food and Drug Administration, FDA, to now fully you know, uh, approve one of the vaccine, which is a uh, um, Pfizer BioNTech. Yeah. So that also can help people who are hesitant to think about again what else can 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 be uh, you know uh, handicapping them to take the vaccine. Now, and also that vaccine has been safe. Therefore, they say that uh, it can still be utilized as emergency utilization in the case of the children under under 16 years old, talking about 12 to 15, and also in uh, people with uh, immunocompromised, such as people with uh, a lot of uh, diabetes, severe chronic diabetes, or high blood pressure, or, or, or many other diseases as a cancer. Now, so another thing we have to consider that is very important at this time is that not only the rise of the Delta variant, but also many people with COVID-19 don't have a symptoms, you know? And then they can be also spreading the, the virus. So that's where the problem is really is. So this is a time for us to really turn on it and say, you don't really know who has the virus or not. And, uh, you know, to understand that is very important. Yeah. So like I said earlier in the previous slide, on August 23rd, 2021, uh, the Food and Drug has first approved the COVID-19 vaccine. And the vaccine has been known as a, um, the Pfizer-BioNTech and is name given to him right now officially is a community. So this is a success uh, for those people working in those area of public health. Um, so um, before the vaccine has been approved, officially approved completely, meaning that raising from uh, uh, emergency utilization for full approval. Many places, a lot of other people has been taking the vaccine, and this has been also mandate for other people in a government setting. You know, people uh, just work um, federal health department and uh, health and human services, including veteran affairs, 
had been mandated their employees who work with the patient to really get vaccinated before. So that doesn't mean nothing. When I say it's fully approved, it was confusing. Uh, my son was asking me, so it was not approved before. So I would like to pause a little bit to make a clarity. It was approved for emergency utilization back then, you know, with a 95% of efficacy. So it's amazing at that, you know, but now has reached to another um, level. Yeah. So let's explain exactly and ask ourselves, what is the vaccine? What is the Zatalis vaccine? Well, very simple, because again, this is not academic paper. We are working in a community setting. We try hard to really make it simple so that we can understand the basic things in here. We, we also respect that uh, we have a virus audience with a different academy level. Well, but this presentation is a community health promotion. Yeah, so the vaccine teach our human system how to recognize and fight the disease. It's very simple. So that's what it is. And uh, a vaccine is what? is a medical tool used to prevent the occurrence or severity of the disease. Let's pause here. We did not, they did not say that the vaccine is there to prevent you from disease. No, you can see it's either or. Occurrence of disease, meaning that prevent you from getting the sickness, that's one, depending on your immune system, and also the severity of that uh, sickness or the disease, if you mean to. So it means that you may still have a vaccine, which we're going to move to next point, but I'm going to pause in here in a minute to explain that you may still have the viral while you're already vaccinated. And we see it during this uh, case, yeah, during this pandemic now. So what is the fact about COVID-19 vaccine? Well, we have uh, three vaccines that uh, we're gonna talk about that is uh, uh, approved in US to use, which is uh, um, Pfizer-BioNTech, Moderna, and then the Jensen. Jensen is a vaccine for Johnson Johnson. So those three are full approved to utilize. Those two, the last two is approved for emergency utilization, like I discussed previously. And the only so far approved vaccine as of today that we know of is the Pfizer-BioNTech. The Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine has been a vaccine that was generated through the new technology. So it has raised a lot of eyebrow and a lot of concern, which is very legit. So those two vaccines, the Pfizer-BioNTech and the Moderna are using different way of uh, designing the vaccine. They're using mRNA, also called uh, as a messenger RNA, to, to, to prevent the disease. Same way as the previous vaccine, but it's a little bit different way. But for that thing, it's something new and has created a lot of a problem for those who are opponents of them and those who are opposing of those things. But uh, we have to ensure you that a lot of study has been done and they have been proving that their efficacy, that's why they are there. So this vaccine, um, a messenger RNA vaccine do not have a lot of viruses, you know? So therefore they don't cause you to have the, the, the disease. They don't cause you to have the disease. Okay, that's number one. They do not affect or interact with your DNA, like they said, that is a fact. 
in any way they, they did not interfere because they are on the surface. They did not reach the genetic membrane of the cell that we know. So that's where the, 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 the GNN is kept in the nuclei of the cell. So this way of doing the vaccine did not, they did not use nuclei. So therefore it does not change you like the way we see it in a doctor, with a doctor, how you call it? Dr. Wasaf, <laughs> we love it, right? So we just have to clarify that now. <laughs> we have to move on and talk whether the safety of the vaccine, right? The COVID-19 vaccine are safe and effective. Safe in terms of the clinical study, the number of people that they have utilized and a lot of things that undergo the vaccine have undergo and will continue to undergo the most intensive safety monitoring in US history. None of the vaccine has been given attention for people to work hard, you know, to really, you know, ensure the safety of this vaccine. I don't work for any of the vaccine providers, but we just ensure you based on the science that we're receiving, based on the people that are still working there and we're talking to them on daily basics. It's people like me and you working on those teams as well. So we can, so therefore over 369 million doses of COVID-19 have been given in US. And this data is uh, from uh, December 14 up to August 30th for, two th for 2021. Well, it's very interesting that if you are full vaccinated, you may or you can resume activity that you did priority before the pandemic. Well, but highly recommend that you continue wearing your facial mask and uh, observing social distancing. Like I said again, millions of people have already received the vaccine. So if it's very good to join them, but again, discuss with your medical provider and individual cases discussed with the, your medical provider. Both the vaccine and the disease is new. So just have a disclaimer there to pause on a minute and say anything you do, this is informational section and discuss with your medical provider. Now, thank you very much for this part of my presentation. I'm gonna move on to let my colleague, Dr. Mohammed going and then uh, continue with this presentation. Dr. Mohamed is a family practitioner in Nigeria who they has been seeing a lot of cases in the tropical medicine. So she's a well-versed to really take this side of her presentation. Dr. Mohamed. Thank you, Sister Nahila. Okay, so um, I will, can we go back on my slide? Yeah, I will be talking about um, the side effects that people see with the vaccine. Um, I think we just hopped into the next slide. Can we go back to the slide that has the side effect? Um, the main common side effect is that there's redness at the site, pain and swelling um, at the injection site. I'm sorry, the slide has gone further. Um, another thing is that people could experience fever or chills associated usually seen with the second dose of the vaccine. Um, another side effect is muscle pain and tiredness. And some people did um, 
complaint of nausea. So these are common side effects that happen with the vaccine and usually more common after the second dose of the vaccine. So there are some safety concerns that we would have to highlight here about the vaccine, just because um, CDC and um, epidemiologists all around the world are watching all this closely and collecting data. So since it's a new thing, we don't stop collecting data. And one of the things um, that is mandated on people who have been vaccinated is to report any reaction or side effect that they experience from taking the shot. So um, a small number of people have actually had severe allergic reaction, which is called anaphylaxis after the vaccination. This is not only with COVID vaccine, it could be seen with any type of vaccine. Some people, their body reacts to the things that are mixed to carry the vaccine, um, the, the, the inoculate for the vaccine. Um, there is also a need for me to mention that there is high occurrence of um, blood clots with low platelets. This is medically called thrombosis with thrombocytopenic syndrome. Um, it's an adverse effect for the Johnson & Johnson COVID vaccine. And I know that um, in the United States, people, um, it hasn't been mandated to use AstraZeneca, but this is also highly seen in the AstraZeneca um, vaccine. So it's also common, which I shouldn't say highly so that we don't look at it as a number. It's also seen in AstraZeneca and it's also seen in Johnson Johnson, but more common in those that take the AstraZeneca. Um, there's also a rare case of myocarditis and pericarditis in adolescents and young children. This is inflammation of the muscle of the heart or the covering. So there's this thin membrane called the pericardium. That's the covering of the heart, which also could become inflamed as um, it's been seen after the younger kids or the young adults take um, the second dose um, and the adolescents of the coronavirus vaccine, um, usually either the Pfizer or the Moderna. CDC continues to monitor closely the safety of the vaccine. So they would not stop. They're still monitoring. And the more people report back what they experience, the more data we'll have on what we should be cautioned about. Next slide, please. Um, as mentioned by Sister Nahila, so just a quick slide, these are the vaccines that have currently been authorized and recommended in the United States. Next slide, please. So um, I would now once again hand over to our prevention specialist, Sister Nahila, if you could continue. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Mohammed. Well, um, further ado, we would like to continue by saying that everyone from age 12 years of age and older is now eligible to get a free vaccine. The vaccine is a free, regardless of your immigration status of your or your 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 um, financial status, none of them, and social economic status. The vaccine is a free. And again, we recommend that you talk to your healthcare provider. You know, as of this vaccine, as we said earlier, is a pretty new and the disease also is new. So nobody knows you better than your healthcare provider. It's very crucial to consider one of the next level of prevention, um, but at the same time, do not neglect the previous line of prevention, such as washing your hand, wearing your facial mask, observing social distances, getting some good rest, 
eating good, increase your fluid intake. And in this case, we're gonna recommend that you drink a lot of hot liquid, hot soup, and uh, the green tea, I'm not marketing for none of them, but they're just so good. The one from Kroger is one of my favorite, and it's always good to have those things even before you go. Reduce your ice intake, and uh, those are very, very important. When you do all those things and you're still in the need to take a vaccine, well, it is safe to take them. Once you talk to your medical provider, she or he will guide you to select the best vaccine. So how did you search for vaccine? It's very simple. You just go to vaccine.gov or you also test on your phone, your zip code to the number 43, 88 and 29. Or you can also call the 800 number 232-0233 to find the COVID vaccine location near you. The further information is also is there, which is uh, um, your local pharmacy. The website is uh, have a ton of information about your vaccine availability and appointment. Some of uh, those uh, sites does not necessarily need the appointment, but the best one is to make appointment that way you ensure your spot. And then also find out if your pharmacist is a participating in a federal retail pharmacy program, you know? And one good news about that is that if in the future after your vaccination and you don't have a insurance to take out other medical care, you know, by you going to that location, you can get a follow-up visit and get chance to get seen and at least get your physical, especially the woman, and get those uh, mammogram and passenger. All this is in a combo based on the vaccine. So it's very interesting, especially when we're dealing with an underinsured under or underdocumented uh, immigrant in our community. Now, another thing to do is to contact your state health department to find additional vaccine location in the area. You know, you can also check your local um, news outlet. There are many, 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 they have many, many information and then about vaccine and anywhere you can go. And of course, if you reside in Georgia, the best place to be is the Georgia Department of Health and uh, they will provide you with a great information. And furthermore, you can always visit the CDC and to have a great information and then seek more um, knowledge in terms of what exactly they're doing and uh, um, following the data that I was collecting a daily. Yeah. Well, this is our references is a lot in here. Mostly, basically we've been following CDC and uh, reading those review and looking at them. We're looking at the Pfizer data as well. We're looking at, uh, you know, um, Georgia government sites and see and carry some information. And uh, we also looking at a various community site, including the, the new technology. So we, we have a various site that we reference from. And for more information, you can always feel free to reach us and uh, womenhealthfirst.org. You can always go to info at Women Health First for any clarity or any further information. Remember, this is just a, for community setting purpose. Well, at this time, we would like to thank you so very much for your time and valuable information. And uh, Dr. Mohamed and I 
at this point we'll take any question that you may have and uh we will uh we'll be taking um any question that you may have thank you very much dr mohammed thank you so much sister nahila for this even though it's a community-based um webinar there was a lot of very good information in there technical information in there so um do bear with us we try to cover as much as we can um please if you have any questions feel free to ask so that we can answer your questions okay yes we found someone thank you bidemi bidemi is asking if there are side effects where can one report this so um whoever gets a COVID shot here you're usually given a flyer that has information of where to submit but it's usually a cdc site that you go in and submit you could either call or you could send it as a message or you could go to their website and report the side effect but everyone that gets the vaccine in the united states because i have gotten mine i was given a pamphlet of where and in fact it even has a like a barcode that you can just scan with your phone camera and it takes you to the site where you report um the side effect and this is collected directly into your data and after that they follow you up so depending on where you are which i'm not sure because we have audience from different parts of the world um if you are in nigeria i'm aware that the ncdc also um is a place where one could report either being infected or a side effect to the vaccine um if you're in america the cdc collects that data So um, I wanted to talk a little bit in case, but you could keep asking your questions, but just because I know um, this is the, the issue of the infection in children. Um, postulation goes that why cases are seen more with the Delta variant still goes back to the vaccination. So just because more, all kids less than 12 have not been authorized to get the vaccines yet, that's probably why they're seeing more cases of Delta variant in children, just because there's a significant number of adults that have had the vaccine already. In fact, um, recent data has it that about 2 billion people worldwide, not only America, in America is in millions, but worldwide, about 2 billion people have received the vaccination. Um, another thing I want, just if you can ask your question, let me know and I would stop, but I'm just trying to give a little bit more information. Um, there's a lot of question about kids presenting with multi-system inflammatory syndrome. So I wanted to talk about that um, and just say a little bit about what it is. So um, a multi-system inflammatory syndrome that is seen in children is a serious condition where different parts of the body can become inflamed. And this include the heart. You remember I mentioned the myocarditis and the pericarditis, but those are not the only organs. So because we said multi-system, that means it could also be inflammation in the lungs, the kidney, the brain, the skin, the eyes, and the gastrointestinal organs. Um, and for more information, you could visit the CDC website. I can hear someone's mic going. Um, if you want to ask a question, I will just keep quiet now and feel free to ask. Yes, Dr. Mohammed, can I add something? Yeah. Yes. Um, uh, for the sister Bedemi that asked the question also, as you mentioned, 
is another thing that they do is a uh, um, um, you have a vSafe where there's a uh, the the proto or database where CDC collects all the personalized health checking after you are received the vaccine. So you you can also do that online. And another thing is that they also have a v VERS, which is a VAERS, which is a vaccine adverse uh, event reporting system and is a national system that collects reports of adverse events that happen after the vaccination. So those are the things. We're going to share it with uh, our WhatsApp platform as well uh, later on today. Any other questions, sisters? This is a QAS time, so we can answer much question. If not, Dr. Mohamed, you have something that, that previously they asked and then uh, will you go over some of those questions? Yes. Um, so um, just, I know we, we touched a little bit about this in our presentation um, because one of the questions people keep on once I get the sample positive, what happened do I do? I'll just, like to go over that a little bit the recommendations for someone who has symptoms of COVID-19 is first and foremost stay at home having medical care you should isolate yourself from people in the house um, just so that you can protect them um, you should monitor your symptoms so monitoring symptoms include checking your temperature every morning you check your temperature and you document it write it down just so that you can see the pattern. If you're having issues of breathing or difficulty breathing or symptoms like bluish um, discoloration of the lips, please do call the emergency or, or visit the closest emergency room next to you. Um, another thing is, even though you already have the COVID-19 infection, you need to keep your face mask on so that you prevent um, spreading it on surfaces and people around you. Um, cover your coughs and your sneezes wash still wash your hands as often as possible um, you have to also clean high touch surfaces every day so your doorknobs your toilet um, flush um, handle the taps that you use things like that you have to clean them every day and then avoid sharing personal household items um, that is for people that have the infection uh, and are having symptoms of COVID-19 while they're in their house um, any questions? I'm just trying to look at most frequently, uh, frequently uh, asked questions. Dr. Mohamed, I would like to shout out Dr. Habiba from London joining, joining, joining us. Dr. Habiba, do you have anything? Uh, thank you for joining. <laughs> yeah. Dr. Habiba? You're putting her on the hotspot. She doesn't want to talk. <laughs> <laughs> All right, she's uh, probably um, okay. Right. Yeah. So my own is not actually about questions. I just I know that I have some doctor colleagues here. If anyone of you has anything they want to educate the population about, or our audience about um, COVID nineteen prevention, we have some epidemiologists here. I will not call names. <laughs> if you feel you want to add something, you could unmute yourself and say something. We have another question here. It says that uh, 
do COVID-19 vaccine contain microchips? That was a question that they sent on our WhatsApp group. Did um, we, we answer that, but this is another great opportunity to share that because it has been uh, circulating a lot, Dr. Mohammed, as you know, mm -hmm. there's a lot of misconception about that, those vaccines, but we just have to convey the fact. Yeah. So the question is, do COVID-19 vaccine contain microchips? The answer is no. COVID-19 vaccines do not contain microchips. Vaccines are, like I mentioned earlier, are developed to fight against disease and are not administrated to track our movement. No one would like to track that. Your phone, your cell phone is just good for them to track you. Yeah. And vaccines work by uh, stimulating your immune system in general to produce antibody exactly like if you will have to have the disease or exposed to the disease, how your body reacts. That's exactly what vaccine does, as I explained earlier, you know? So after getting the vaccine or after, after being vaccinated, what happens is that you develop immunity to, to that disease without having to get the, the disease at the first place. That's what it is. So no, the vaccine does not have uh, microchips. Yeah, and I just, I just want to. Oh, okay, Sister Jamila, you are muted. Do you want to ask a question? Oh, sorry, maybe she wasn't. Yes, yeah, so, Dr. Jamila, come in. <laughs> <laughs> My screen is covering, so I can't see the rest. I'm just no, Dr. Jamila just unmuted herself. So, Dr. Jamila, you want to say something? No, 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 no. That was a mistake. Sorry. <laughs> Okay, that's fine. I just want to reiterate this part um, just to talk about when one should consider going to test for COVID-19. Obviously, people who have symptoms should go get tested to know whether they have COVID-19. People who have had close contact with the exception of some situations where if you are fully vaccinated and you came in contact with someone who told you, oh, I tested positive and were in close contact. So if you have been fully vaccinated, you do not have to go back and test if you have COVID unless you start having symptoms. Also, anyone who had previously tested positive within the past three months and they have recovered from the infection, if they were told that they were in contact with someone who has recently been diagnosed positive with COVID-19, then they also do not need to go back and check if they are positive unless they have symptoms. And then also, if you have taken part in any risky activities that might have predisposed you to having been exposed to, to the, the likelihood of an exposure, even if you don't know if anyone in that crowd had um, COVID, you could also go and test. And then people who have been asked to go and test by their medical professionals should also go and test. Dr. Halima has her hand up. Thank you so much for raising your hand. Unmute yourself, please, and feel free to contribute or ask a question, whatever you can. Thank you. Okay, good evening, everybody. My name is um, Dr. Halima. Uh, it's uh, a pleasure being on this uh, forum, and I want to appreciate the organizers of this program is quite uh, uh, educating and uh, you know uh, full of uh, knowledge and information 
So I don't know, I, I joined in a bit late, so I just wanted to get a bit of clarification regarding uh, the safety of COVID uh, vaccine, because I can see we've been talking about, I'm not actually being biased, but I've noticed that we've been talking more of the <clears throat> American uh, uh, COVID-19 vaccines, which are more commonly used there, that is the Moderna, the Pfizer and the Johnson and Johnson. And also you have uh, in the US, it's like you have used a lot of um, <clears throat> doses more than any other place from the slides, previous slides that were shown you like covered like a three, 300 and something million doses. So my concern is, you know, as regards, apart from side effects, I didn't see you talking about, uh, <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> you know, the generally the population are there, people that you think you, uh, this uh, vaccine is contraindicated in, for example, also, in addition to that, is there any uh, risk or association regarding using it in breastfeeding mothers or pregnant women? So I think that's one, two or three questions or areas that I want you to give us a bit clarification or uh, <clears throat> some in, uh, shed more light on those areas. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Dr. Halima, um, for this. So um, for those that don't know, Dr. Halima is forefront in Nigeria, actually. I know her. When I heard the voice, then I realized I, this is the Dr. Halima I know. So um, she's forefront in Nigeria. They are the ones that are administering the COVID vaccines to the Nigerian population in the Federal Capital Territory of Nigeria. So um, very good questions there. I know you asked several, so I'll try to answer. Um, as regarding pregnant and breastfeeding women, it was just recently approved that they could have um, the shots. Initially, because they didn't have enough data, they didn't um, recommend it in either pregnant or breastfeeding women, but they have seen that the benefit outweighs the risk, especially um, pregnant women who have been experiencing miscarriages of recent from um, being infected with COVID-19. So right now they have recommended that it is safe to give breastfeeding mothers and even pregnant women. Um, can you repeat the first question? You said something about, um, there was the initial question, I lost track of what you had asked me, the first one. Dr. Halima, if you are still there, if you could. There was something you talked about, I think comparing the safety, right? Now she was talking up. Yes, Dr. Mohammed. Uh, thank yeah. you, Dr. Halima, and thank you, Dr. Mohammed, for answering that question beautifully. Yeah. Um, Dr. D Dr. Halima was, and also I thought it was Dr. Halima, one of my friends, also medical doctor of technologies in London. Yeah. So I thought it was her. Yeah. Anyway, um, Dr. Halima would like to know the safety, like in terms of, uh, um, is it one shoes fit all? That's what she wanna know. Okay, 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 okay. Yes, I remember now. Okay. So um, it is not, it is not one shoe fits all. Even in the United States, that is why Dr. Um, Nahila, Sister Nahila, when she was presenting, really, I know you said you missed the beginning, but she reiterated that we are just informing people of um, the need and the, the information that is available for COVID nineteen, but there's always the need to check in with your doctor. So if you, especially if you have coexisting medical conditions, 
it is very important that you check in with your doctor. But based on personal experiences, I would tell you that um, most doctors in the United States have actually recommended clients that have immunosuppressive illnesses to get the shots. So um, there's more of a pro vaccine amongst those population to protect them just because their presentation and severity of illness when it comes to chances of mortality or severe mobilities is really high. What I mean, let me just go a little bit is that those that have um, immunosuppressive illnesses um, tend to have a severe form of COVID-19 when they do get infected with COVID-19. And also more cases of deaths are seen from people that have comorbid, um, coexisting um, medical conditions, including the immunosuppressive illness. Yes, thank you. Sister Nahila, could you just play this a little bit? I think maybe um, Dr. Halima missed this one, but another thing is you could actually also go to the John Hopkins University daily COVID-19. Um, this data in motion did actually mention how the cases have been, the deaths, the incidents, the new cases. Um, this is a very good resource. Um, it's just a one minute clip. website and they give daily updates on um, current situation with the COVID-19. I hope this would be a good resource for you, Dr. Halima, that you could actually see what's going on. And thank you for very, very good questions. Um, we have a question that I just noticed in the chat. Um, someone has asked, Nafisa asked, um, can you contract COVID-19 twice? Yes, you can. Those vaccinated can also get it. It's just that the severity of the disease has been seen to be markedly, they may not even have symptoms or if they do have symptoms, some of them have mild symptoms. Um, needless to say, probably some with coexisting condition could present with a little bit more severe symptom, but also it, it's usually way better when you compare the data than somebody with a coexisting medical condition that did not have um, the shot and eventually did have COVID-19. So yes, one could contract COVID-19, but based also on the data, it's been seen that um, at least three months apart from the last infection, that is when someone can get a reinfection, um, just because um, immunity, even as we have seen with the new need for the, the third shot is that from three months to six months post vaccination, the immunity that one has um, incurred from the shot starts to wane. So when I mean wane, I mean it starts to go down. So like um, 
three months, probably about 73%. But by the time one hits six months post-vaccine or infection, depending on what predisposed you to, to the immunity, it's been seen to drop as low as 53%. So that is why right now um, the government here is recommending third shots, most especially for people at high risk. That means healthcare workers or people with any um, immunocompromised situation that would cause um, severe disease. They have been approved to get the third shots here in the United States. And it, it just happened in August, like late August, that it was um, approved. Any more questions? Well, uh, Dr. Mohamed, we've taken oh, our time is up. <laughs> I just also take yeah, take an opportunity to thank all our audience. Yeah. Especially we have a brother Sunny. He did not participate, but uh, he was there and listened with attention. So we really appreciate you leaving your duties and your obligation to really come and support our program. We appreciate you being on the board. And we thank, thank all our much. audience. We have our sister Zulifa, sister Nafisa, sister Zainab, and all of our sisters. I cannot see my screen is covering. And uh, we really thank you to be here today. Without further ado, I would like to let uh, Dr. Mohammed to do the closing remarks, and then we will call it for the day. Dr. Mohammed. Thank you so much, um, our audience. Thank you, Sister Nahila, CEO Women Health First for bringing this to the community and educating people about the needful and things that are um, important um, health prevention measures. Um, once again, thank you so much um, for those that have contributed, those that took time to be here. We really appreciate it. And um, from your yours truly, <laughs> Dr. Ramatu Mohammed. Um, it's been a pleasant day. Have a pleasant rest of your weekend and um, labor holiday for those in the United States and pleasant week for the rest of the people around the world. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, we appreciate you. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Haliwa. Thank you. Thank you so much for the presentation. We really learned so much from it. May Allah SWT increase you in knowledge and understanding. I mean, thank you so much for everyone that was here. Thank you. Sister Zainab, thank you also. I just saw Zainab on. Thank you for coming on. And we have just rounded up the webinar. And this would be made available um, as a recording on our YouTube page and in podcast format. And we would share it with anyone who needs it. And it will also be available on the WhatsApp group. We have a Women Health First WhatsApp group. And do indicate to us or send us an email if you want to be added to that group. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Mohammed. And this brings us to the end as we leave in. Ciao. Uh, good night. Good night. <laughs> bye bye. Bye. <laughs>